Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation. My name is Emma Carpenter, and this is my segment where we talk all things college golf. I am coming to you today from TPC Twin Cities in Blaine, Minnesota, which, as we know, is the home of the 3M Open that is going to be happening here in just a few short months. So lots to look forward to here in Minnesota. But also, I am so excited to bring on my guest today, who I've had the chance to, to play a couple of tournament rounds with. It is Duke University's Erica Shepard, who has proven to be an excellent junior golfer, amateur golfer, college golfer, all of the above. She just got back from the ACC championship with a second place finish. So she is certainly going to be looking to bring that finish, that momentum from that finish into her postseason coming up here shortly. So I am so excited to speak with Erica today, and I know that you guys are going to enjoy the listen. And with that, I am so excited to welcome in today my friend Erica Shepard of Duke University. Erica, thank you so much for taking some time and joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. So Erica, things are going awesome right now. You just finished up a second place individual finish at ACC's, which we're going to get into a little bit. But things are so different right now as opposed to the last time that you and I teed it up together during COVID. Yeah. I think at the FOW and at Bloomington, Indiana, in the fall, it was the fall oh, of yeah. sophomore year. Remember that? Yeah, it was nasty out there. <laughs> you clearly have had a really, really awesome college career so far that we're going to get into, but I've got to start with, I've, I've read all about the essay that you wrote when you were in fifth grade. Oh my gosh. That was, <laughs> I'm sure this gets brought up to you a lot. That's all about... So listeners, Erica wrote uh, an essay when she was in fifth grade that was all about how she wanted to play golf for Duke University. And in your commitment, mm-hmm. when you announced your commitment, there was this adorable photo of you wearing like a Duke cheerleader outfit as like a baby <laughs> to see you fully <laughs> living out your dream now. I mean, when I was that, when I was in fifth grade, I think that like my dream was to like be Taylor Swift. So <laughs> that that's happening. That I'm not yet. That not yet. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, what what was it about Duke for you that at such a young age it was always your dream to play golf for them? Yeah. So I actually had a family friend play golf at Duke for Coach Brooks, um, Leanne Harden. I was actually named after her. My middle name's Lee. Um, so I grew up just aspiring to do everything that she did. Um, she won the girls junior. So that was always my biggest junior golf goal. And then she went on to play golf at Duke. Um, and so I was like, she was like my Taylor Swift, basically. And so I just grew up looking at her and I just got these really big dreams. And I was so motivated as a kid. Like it was insane. Um, so I just knew exactly what I wanted. Um, and I just... I just dreamed really big and I was surrounded by such amazing people and it's just so surreal to actually be here now. Like, I feel like I was committed. I knew I was coming to Duke for my whole life and I've been here for like a minute and now I'm a senior. So it's crazy. Um, I, I feel super lucky and I wouldn't have had it, wouldn't, wouldn't have wanted to have it any other way. 
college just goes by so quickly to think that yeah. to think that you and I in a few weeks uh here at the end of at the end of postseason were like seniors in college mm-hmm. huh that's insane yeah <laughs> it's a complete absolute dream of yours you know oftentimes like we see dreams as perfect and absolutely everything we could have ever wanted but how has your experience so far lived up to those expectations? You know, what are what are maybe some of the good things that you've learned from and what are some of the experiences that you've had that might've been tough and you didn't expect? Right, that's a really good point. Um, I definitely experienced the downfall of having this dream um, expectation of Duke my entire life. Um, I got here my freshman year and I was like, in the first team meeting, I was like, I'm actually on the team. Like, there's no way. And I was just like completely overwhelmed. I was like, I don't know what to do now that I'm here. Like, so freshman year, um, it took me a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean like the entire year, my freshman year was, it was rough. I'm just getting used to everything. And it was definitely all on like me and the expectations I'd set, um, nothing on Duke. But so after freshman year, I kind of just had like and after COVID happened, I, I don't know what would have happened if COVID didn't happen, but during COVID, I learned to just like appreciate the moment and everything that comes with it. Um, Cause once COVID ended the end of my freshman year, like we didn't know how long it was going to take. I was like, I hope that I get to play in a national championship for Duke like the next four years, who knows we're in a pandemic. So after COVID happened, I think that I just had like a new mindset of just appreciating the moment and enjoying the moment. And I think that's when I was able to like get rid of the expectations that I had set for for this huge dream of mine to be at Duke. Um, and so yeah, after that, it's been the best three years of my life. Um, teammates have been awesome, just really enjoying every single day here. Um, and I'm definitely able to enjoy living the dream rather than having it is something that like puts pressure on the moment. I mean, that's great that you can have such a good outlook about. Uh, COVID in the way that it mm-hmm. kind of put a pause on things. But I'd say for a lot of us golfers, it was kind of like, I know for me personally, I struggled with like, mm-hmm. what am I preparing for now? I'm, I'm right. practicing, but I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to get to compete again. And competing for me yeah. is the best part of it all. Obviously, like we're saying, Duke has always been the dream of yours, without a doubt, mm-hmm. above all else. In your recruitment process, when did you start expressing interest in Duke? When did they start expressing interest in you? How did that really go down? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was so different back then with like the rules and we could like take visits when we were 12 years old. So that was me. I was taking visits to Duke when I was like 12 years old. Um, But I went through the whole recruiting process, which I'm super grateful for. Like that led me to have absolutely no doubts when I decided to officially come to Duke because I'd really like seen all the options, had relationships with all the coaches. I think I still took some time just to think about it. Um, I really like Stanford as well. And so I was kind of I was pretty torn. Um, But it turns out I came to Duke. I committed on the spot. Um, But yeah, I went through the whole process and that in itself was super stressful process I'm sure as you know um basically I just I knew that I had to be in like the top three in my class to have Duke offer me um because Duke was they that's how they recruited um and so once I got to that point um I felt like that's how I was able to do it and so obviously so much pressure on myself but I wouldn't have traded it for anything 
um, once I finally committed to Duke, it was definitely a big sigh of relief. <laughs> Would you say that that was kind of what drove you in your junior career, just the thought of playing for Duke? Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that was everything. The first time that, like, the coaches watched me, I actually would like text my coach from home and be like, I can't do this. Like, how am I supposed to hold a club? Like what? Like I would get so nervous. And then other coaches would watch me and like, I'd be equally like, I thought they were good schools too, but I didn't care. But like when Duke watched me, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like that was everything. um, How did you play whenever the Duke coaches watched you? Yeah, I actually played really well. (laughs) Um, I, I like loved playing under pressure. So I was like, once I got my my emotions collected, I was like, all right, let's do this. So that was good. <laughs> I, college coaches watching me, I swear, it's I remember it vividly, but it's also kind of a blur. Like mm-hmm. it's it's so funny. It's, it's so, funny. Such a different pressure than you could ever than you could ever really like think of. One time, I don't know how, Erica. One time I had like five coaches watching me. And I was playing so bad. And I was just uh, like, well, X, 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 X. Like, no. looks like we're done there. <laughs> no. And then you'd always have one coach that was like, I swear I play bad every time they watch. So when you'd yes. see them walking to watch, you'd be like, please leave. Like, I'm playing good. <laughs> yes, they're like, we had so that. much in our heads about this. That was insane. Fast forward a little bit. You were able to commit to Duke, like you said, mm-hmm. able to come and be just a huge part of the program right away. How impressive that is. But now fast forward, you're at the towards the end of your junior year. Um, you just got back from ACC's, like I said, and you took second place individually, mm-hmm. which is an awesome accomplishment, especially because you've got rivals like Wake Forest, uh, Florida State's got mm-hmm. a great team amongst a lot of other schools in the ACC. How does this second place individual season going to kind of bring some momentum heading into the postseason? Yeah, that felt really good to finally um, get a good tournament under my belt in the spring. I kind of had a slow start to the spring, um, but just kind of kept pressing on. And then Phoebe Brinker, our sophomore, she won ACC's as an individual. So um, I think that we just finally all came together. We kind of had a a transition moment as a team um, after the fall, our senior left to turn pro. Um, so we kind of had like a rebuilding, like growth kind of semester. And I think that we're all like coming together, like trending slowly upwards. And so I feel really good heading into postseason. but ACC's was, was great to kind of get a little bit of a confidence booster for Phoebe and I both. Um, so yeah, that was a great week. You mentioned the senior turning pro. I, I, assume you're talking about Gina Kim, um, you know, she's an awesome player an awesome she's person. Awesome. Yeah. She's a very sweet girl. And the, the couple of times mm-hmm. that I've talked to her, but with college golf and the team being so small, a change in the lineup mm-hmm. is just like inevitably it's a change. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I want to hear a little bit about how you've adjusted, um, personally and as a team, you know, how, how have you been able to, to grow from watching one of your teammates uh, turn professionally, a teammate who is a part of the team? Obviously, you mm-hmm. guys still have insane depth, insane talent, but yeah. what have you kind of kind of learned from that situation, having, having a change? Mm-hmm. First of all, I would just say like, Gina is an unbelievable person, and she's out there. LPJ is what she's always wanted to do, so she's out there doing that, and I'm so happy for her. But as a team, I think it was – 
like first just addressing it like being aware of it like not just being like oh it didn't happen like what but it was like a big change we had we went from six girls to five girls so that eliminates qualifying um so this year's practices playing have looked a lot different um and so we've kind of had to learn other ways to prepare because i know qualifiers yes they're super stressful um but also it's a super great way to prepare for tournaments so we've kind of had to find other ways to get ourselves in pressure situations to prepare for these tournaments. Um, so yeah, I think that the biggest thing is just like not having qualifying. Obviously, Gina is a person, is a player where we've missed her. Um, but I think that it's made some other people, like myself included, I felt like I really had to step up to the plate. Um, and so I think that's been great pressure to put on ourselves because um, next year, I mean, I was going to be a senior anyway, so might as well start early. Um, but I'm super proud of how our team has handled it. Um, everyone just really stepped up and come together even more. So I'm super excited for what this postseason could bring. You've played in, in multiple professional um, LPGA uh, Symmetra Tour events as an amateur and uh, watching now a, a teammate who you were really close to turn professional. How mm -hmm. has that how has that kind of maybe altered your perspective or, or your outlook on turning professional or, or maybe uh, a, a change in any type of preparation? Yeah, um, I think like I said earlier, how I've always known what I've wanted. Um, I think it's kind of been the same for pro golf. Like I've always known that I wanted to play pro golf um, after I graduated from Duke. So that's definitely still the plan to play golf after graduating. Um, but yeah, I think that Gina seeing her going through Q school, like Q school in itself is insane. Like the amount of golf they play, especially in Q series. And then just like the pressure on it is like, this is your job. Like this is whether you're going to be employed or not when you graduate or like whenever. So it's tough. And like seeing Gina go through that mental, emotional, like physical battle through Q school, I think that definitely kind of gave me an insight into what I need to be prepared for when I do decide to go to Q school. So I think that was a really good learning moment that I took from that. But as far as like the LPGA right now, I was looking at the leaderboard this morning and I like, it's almost like a junior golf. Like I noticed, like I know so many names like on the leaderboard, like Jennifer Chang, like she was my best friend in junior golf. Like she's right up on the leaderboard. Um, my senior, when I was a freshman at Duke, Anna Balot, she's killing it out there. So I think that when I do get out there, there's going to be so many familiar faces and it's going to be a great time. I think that it's it's really awesome being able to to watch some teammates and some especially people that you've spent so much time practicing with and competing against going through that. Right. So absolutely. Right. Um, so Erica, you mentioned that um, this spring, like ACCs was kind of like uh, maybe the highlight so far. You had an awesome, I mean, an awesome fall as well in the four mm -hmm. events that you played, one of them being the Annika that I, I was also in. Oh, you finished in the top four individually, which I mean, for the listeners who might not quite understand, like college, college golf is extremely competitive, especially the schedule that a lot of schools like Duke and a lot of these power five conference schools are playing. So being able to finish that well individually consistently is insanely impressive. And you got your first individual college win last spring at the uh, Gamecock Intercollegiate. Like I said, college individual wins are so hard to get, playing against so many good players. What, how would you describe uh, the key to unlocking this win? 
Yeah, um, it's hard to pinpoint one exact thing, but obviously you got to get lucky to have a win in college golf. Um, that's just facts. But um, I started working with a putting coach about two years ago now, and I had never really like had putting instruction before that. Um, and so that I can definitely say like pinpoint on that, that that revolutionized my golf game for sure. Um, before working with him, putting was just like, when I got to the green, I was not excited at all to hit putts, um, but I loved everything else. But now I can definitely say that that's completely done a 180 um, and just kind of learning more about my putting and whatever. Um, I remember that week that I got a win. That was one of the best putting weeks I'd ever had. Um, so that as well as just continued growth and like ball striking, mental game. Um, and also, I think that you play the best golf when you're the happiest. And so um, I must have been pretty happy that week because I played some really good golf. So everything just kind of came together and um, it was a really tough field for sure. So that was a really good win for me. Wow, that's so interesting to hear you say that up until last year, getting to the green, you weren't excited. Mm -hmm. I think that all golfers can kind of relate to <laughs> all golfers have like putted really well and putted really poorly mm -hmm. at some point. It's just kind of the name of the game. But I, I mean, I personally have gone through periods of time when uh, I felt like I couldn't miss putts and then mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't make putts. So right. it's I mean, it's interesting to hear you who's currently the 34th best amateur golfer in the entire world talking about how it wasn't too long ago that you didn't have confidence on the greens. That's insane. Right. Can you share a little bit what kinds of things you worked on with your putting that mm -hmm. kind of made all the difference? Yeah, I think a big thing for me is I love the instruction side of like the swing golf. Like I feel like I know my swing really well. And when it came to putting, like I had just never had any instruction. Like I didn't know anything about putting. And so I kind of like, I don't know why I let myself do that for so long, but like I kind of just got away with it. I mean, I would grind on the putting green before tournaments for like, more than anybody else and I was not putting better than anyone else so I should have learned that like something's wrong but um summer COVID summer at the USAM it was in Maryland and I hit the ball like so good and I had to have putted worse than anyone in the field by like 10 shots but I missed the cut by one that year and I was like, if I would have putted decently, I would have a good chance. Like I would have made match play, like hands down, like would have a chance of winning the tournament. So that's when I got connected through a friend with this putting coach. And since then it has been like so much better, but also just so much more enjoyable, just like learning about the stroke. Um, my putting coach, he knows like everything about the putting stroke. It's insane, but just like learning what I'm supposed to do um definitely simplifying it I mean he's he talks about like never spending more than 45 minutes at a time on putting and in the past like I would be out there for so long um but I think that that's made a huge difference I'm um, just being super focused super super simplified when it comes to to putting and like how you practice putting um that's been big and I think before, before every round, I use this like Vizio putting mat. I don't know if you, you've probably seen this, you know, it just oh, like yeah. has the stroke on it. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really satisfying. That's so awesome. I do that. Um, and like, I'll work with him through text, like send videos. And it's just been great to kind of have putting now as something similar to the golf swing that like, I love learning about and love analyzing um, and knowing what I'm doing. So I think now putting is up there with with everything else in my game and I really love learning about it I've got a putting coach too his name's Larry Bobka and he's awesome and 
I swear every time I go and see him, like, I just, I just start putting better. Like it makes yeah. a lot makes when someone who knows so much about it breaks it down for you. It's at least satisfying in the sense that when you miss putts, you can at least identify what went wrong. Right. Yeah. In the past, like finishing a tournament and hitting the ball awesome and not putting well it's like the worst feeling in the world when you're like, wow, I couldn't have hit it much better. And I finished badly mm-hmm. because I couldn't make putts and I don't know why. Right. So, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're not sponsored. Uh, we don't have a partnership with Vizio putting that, but I sw- shout out to the Vizio golf. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I swear I, you're not the first person that I've heard that like someone told me who's a great player not long ago. He was, he said, the Vizio potting mat completely changed my life. So um, I guess <laughs> listeners, if you want to, if you want to improve your putting, you heard it here. Erica Shepard uses the Vizio putting mat. So mm-hmm. <laughs> along with a putting coach, <laughs> right, right. That, that's a big key too. We talk a lot about college golf here on my, on my segment of, on my segment of five clubs. And clearly you are an excellent junior golfer, which I do want to touch on a little bit as well, but each year in college, you do seem to be finding more and more success and completely trending upwards as a college player and just as a player in general. I want to know kind of if you attribute your success trending upward in college golf to experience in college golf, or if you uh, attribute it to just maturing as a golfer and improving your game. Yeah, um, I would say it's definitely a combination of both. Um, I think that also just like where I'm at, if I wasn't at Duke, I don't know that I would have um, had the career that I'm having and hope to have um, in the upcoming year. But like at Duke, just surrounded by like the people that I'm surrounded by, the teammates that I have, um, coaches and support staff, like it's been like it, it would be almost hard to like not get better just from a person like they're always pushing you as a player um, in the weight room, they're pushing you. So it's just been like, a lot of it is I just do what they tell me to do and I, I end up getting better, but also just kind of when I came into Duke, I thought that I could do the same things that made me successful in junior golf and that would lead to success in college golf. And that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I learned that freshman year, like I learned how to adapt my practices. I learned that less is more. Um, you can't spend 10 hour days on the golf course grinding when you're in college. Like you want to do other things. Trust me. That's awesome. That's really impressive. And, and what a testament to how great your coaches are and and the program that they've built there at Duke. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that you saying, I just kind of do what they tell me to do and and just completely buying Mm -hmm. into the process and it working out for you is super rewarding. So Mm -hmm. um, last thought here about, about college golf, because we are kind of for you in the, in the heat of the season, you're getting ready to head to regionals. Um, last year, your team had a great run at the national tournament and it was your first time ever playing in the national tournament. Um, you guys ended up coming short in the semifinal, but I want to know what was your mindset heading into it last year, uh, being your first time competing in a college golf national tournament and how might that be different this year going in with more experience? Yeah. Um, last year's nationals was awesome. I couldn't believe that it was like my first one. Like everyone kind of forgot that freshman year nationals got canceled because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that'd be my first one, but we had Gina and Jarvie on the team and I mean, they've played in every, they've won national championship. So 
they knew what was going on. I kind of just like did what they told me to do. They they're super good leaders. So they showed us around um, kind of the ropes, like how to manage yourself, how to manage your time. Um, it's a lot of golf if you make it all the way through match play, which is what our goal was. So kind of just like um, conserving your energy, like conserving your emotions. That was a huge part that they preached to us, which I think is really important. But um, yeah, what I remember most from from nationals is losing to Oklahoma State and just like that, it hurt. <laughs> um, that was Jarvie's last tournament with us. And we had such a talented team. Um, like it was crazy. And we knew that we could have won. But also like golf, especially in match play, literally anything can happen. So um, we, we tried our best. Um, it definitely sucked. I was sad for a while. But I think coming back this year, um, everyone that's going except for our freshman has been there before. So I think we can kind of use that experience to kind of show her what Gina and Jarvie showed us. Um, and I think this year, obviously, like objectively, we're more underdogs than we were last time we went. So I think we can definitely if we make it through regionals, like use that to our advantage, um, being underdogs like that, definitely there's nothing to lose when you, when you're in that position. So I think that it's a little bit different of a perspective, but I think it's a, it's a cool one to have, and you can definitely use it to, to, to your strengths. Not too long ago. Um, a lot of, a lot of really great college players like you, like yourself, have the opportunity to play in the Augusta National Women's Am that happens kind of just shortly before the conference championship. So this was mm -hmm. the third Augusta National Women's Am, and this was also your third time playing in it. So you've been in it every single <laughs> year. Um, how was how was that experience uh, this year, and how did that maybe compare to the previous years? I think being a part of the Augusta National Women's Am, or all three years that it's happened. And just seeing like the impact that it's had on women's golf in general um, and seeing all the hype that it's brought to the women's game. It's been super cool to be a part of. Um, obviously this year it didn't go as planned. I didn't make the cut. I didn't get a compete um, for a chance to win the final round in Augusta, but I mean, you still get to play Augusta. It was still a super cool experience. Um, but yeah, just the tournament and holes, everything that goes along with it, they make it such like there's, Every, every night there's a dinner. We get to have dinner at the Augusta National Clubhouse. Um, getting out to Augusta National, it's just really, really cool. And, like, I can't believe that I can say that I've played Augusta National, like, five times now, and I'm only 21. So it's awesome. It's just so cool what they've been able to do for the game. I know also, like I mentioned in that essay that you wrote in fifth grade, not only did you say you wanted to be a Blue Devil, but you also said, I mean, fifth grade, this is age what, like, 10 like uh, yeah. and, you said, wow. and you said that you wanted to be the first uh female to play in the masters living out mm -hmm. living out your dreams as a 10 year old in every possible way so that's super neat um rewinding I just a little bit you've you like I mentioned you've had so much success throughout your college career obviously um being able to verbally commit to, to Duke University at such a young age showed that you had a ton of talent and showed that you had the ability to win. So in your junior career, you played in Junior Ryder Cup, multiple AJGA wins, and also winning the U.S. Junior, like you mentioned before. Winning the U.S. Junior is like as cool as you could possibly get in junior golf. So, <laughs> I mean, how would, you, how would you describe that experience? And would you maybe consider that the highlight of your junior career? 
Yes, I would definitely say winning the girls junior was was a highlight of my individual junior career. Um, but then also, like you mentioned, the junior Ryder Cup, that has to be my favorite, like overall experience in junior golf. Um, the team that we had that week and like where we were, it was in Paris um, and winning for the U.S. Like that was such a cool moment. Um, but like winning the girls junior is basically what got me there, um, along with some some good AJGA stuff. But but yeah, like I said, um, I winning the girls junior was my biggest dream growing up um, when I was like. 10 through 13, 14, probably my, my screensaver on my phone was Leanne Harden winning the girls junior, um, who is my role model. So I was just like, I, I knew I was going to get it. Um, and I, I got it. I was lucky. I mean, you have to win so many matches and like, I hadn't really, I wasn't really heard of before then. I don't feel like, um, so I definitely use like the underdog mentality and I just like, absolutely wanted to beat everybody that week <laughs> so that was crazy I was definitely a much different person back then but I'm super grateful that that happened and um still can't really believe that it happened so to be honest absolutely and obviously it got you the opportunity to play in the U.S. Open that you've played in twice yeah. I mean how how about those experiences and just kind of seeing like the way that you stack up against the best female golfers in the world what do you think mm -hmm. is like the greatest takeaway from from getting to play against that kind of competition mm -hmm. so when I played in the opens like from qualifying and then from the girls junior I think that like from a golf perspective that was definitely like cool to take away like yeah my short game needs to get better like I got to make putts um so those were cool takeaways and also like seeing the big golf courses that that pro golfers play um, definitely a little different than junior golf, like I said, but um, on the other side, kind of in the more recent ones that I've played in um, a different, more broad perspective has been like how they have to manage their life on tour and how it can be like pretty lonely out there. And so if you see people like, I would see some, some people playing on tour that week that like I could just tell weren't happy and that like, I didn't like seeing that at all. So I was like, I think I need to figure out before I turn pro, like how it can be the happiest that I can be out there because like they did, some of them didn't look like they were enjoying it. So I think that there's some other girls that I've, that I've talked to in college golf that have kind of got the same vibe from, from a little bit. And I think that like, I hope that that changes. Like I know that it's changing now with the girls that I know are out there. So I think that that's, shows that the LPJ is heading in a super great direction. And I'm just really excited to, be a part of that when I get out there. But I think that making sure that you're taking care of yourself and like in a, in a happy place and can have a life outside of golf um, and just kind of have that confidence before you make golf your job, I think is super important. and something that I took away from those experiences. I want to wrap things up here a little bit. Uh, we're going to finish off with the five clubs, five questions that I've got for you today. All right. So the very first question I've got for you, what is your favorite event that you've ever played oh, it's got to be the annual I think the inaugural annual playing in that was like nothing's ever going to top that that's a great answer that's a great answer <laughs> um so do you have any I've asked this one before do you have any superstitions oh I would say no but everyone around me would say yes and they're probably a little more honest about that. Like I do eat the same breakfast before every single tournament round I play. What breakfast um, is that? 
it's like these overnight oats with like collagen in them. It's pretty good, but like it does get a little tiring, but it's a thing that I have. But other than that, I mean, I always like to play, wear white shorts. If I'm, if I'm playing in my own outside of Duke tournament, like I'm wearing white shorts and a white visor and a white belt. Um, so that's probably another superstition that I should get over. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. I swear, I swear so many college golfers will say like, or just golfers in general will be like, oh, I don't have any superstitions, but, but like I need to have my bag on the right side of the tee deck every single time. And I'm like, yeah, that's how it counts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a golf thing. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. So would you say, obviously golf is kind of your life, but you mentioned having a life outside of golf. And with that being mm-hmm. said, would you say that you have any uh, talents or outside of golf? Okay. I, during COVID, this is another good thing from COVID. Um, that I personally had, I learned how to like cook finally. So I I think I'm actually pretty good at cooking and I enjoy it outside of golf. So that would be my talent. That's nice. That's awesome. That's a great, jealous. I cannot cook. Um, You got to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I just like, I'm a hungry person and I get so impatient. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I just want to eat. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Number four geographically obviously you said you've played a lot of different places you played in Paris but if you were to take a golf trip doesn't necessarily have to be competitive where would be your ideal golf trip to play golf anywhere in the world Mm. definitely like the beach somewhere like Dominican Republic I went there this winter and it was unbelievable I mean I prefer if I'm not competing to probably not play golf but if I was to play golf I think on the ocean would be ideal that's awesome. Yeah. I played, I played <laughs> on the ocean for the first time. I like told people I've never played a course on the ocean and they're like, what? It's the best. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to do it. <laughs> okay. So fifth and final question in one sentence, what is the best piece of advice that you would give to a young golfer? I think I got to address golf and life in it. So I'm going to say challenge yourself but always have balance in your life. I love that. That's really, really good. Yeah. Great answer. It's important. Not the most sophisticated, but. No, but it's like, it's real though. And I feel like it's a conversation yeah. that isn't really had quite enough. Obviously mm-hmm. in, in college sports, um, we've seen over the last month, like college athletes uh, go through a lot and it's important to always be checking in on, on mental health, um, your teammates right. and, and your, your players as coaches. I know our coach sent out um, a lovely message and uh, told us last night that we can always go to them if we need anything and uh, we have a lot of resources, but I think that having a balance in your life is 100% Mm-hmm. one of the most important things and ultimately going to bring you the most success as well so that's that's a beautiful answer I would say <laughs> thank you all right well Erica thank you so much for joining me today it's been so much fun talking to you we only really get to see each other kind of in passing at tournaments so it's really nice to sit no. down and have a chat. <laughs> yeah I enjoyed it best of luck to you yeah, uh, at regionals and us here at five clubs we're gonna look forward to to watching you and, and the rest of your career so Thank you.
Thank you so much, Erica, for joining me today. I had such a great time talking to Erica here on Five Clubs, and she had so much insight to offer on what a balance in her life and being a happy person has done for her and her golf game. So wonderful to hear. And we wish Erica the best of luck here moving forward into her college postseason. So good luck to you, Erica. And thank you listeners for joining me today on Five Clubs.